Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. Well, I know that these are usually tricky to schedule, especially now, but I think we picked the wrong movie to car cast, Cody. You think? I think. I think this one, I think, made more sense. It was a better movie. Well, and this movie is, like, mostly just driving around. Yeah, that is 45 <laughs> minutes of the uh, runtime. Possibly even a little bit more. Uh, but, hey, you know, we're here now. We're talking about, of course, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the latest Quentin Tarantino picture. Uh, and they did say picture multiple times. Yes, they did. I'm pretty sure Al Pacino was supposed to be Martin Scorsese. <laughs> what a picture. <laughs> what a picture. That was a good picture. You know. Uh, I, I, I immediately, whenever I hear somebody say picture like that, I always think of you. Every single yeah. time. No matter what. It's a family picture. It's funny. It's a picture. It's not a movie. It's not a film. It's not content. What is a picture? A picture is one spot in time in Hollywood. That is where like, does that where does that fall into the? Oh, it's the highest. It's the best you can get. A picture, a moving picture. Yeah, a picture. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, wow. Coming full circle because I think as you both had let, you know let me know that Quentin Tarantino's last picture. The Hateful Eight was uh, one of our first five or so episodes, other than the lost episode that is actually lost and I don't actually have. The Martian, Um, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was something. Um, Pretty bad, wasn't it? Probably, probably. It's still we're still probably pretty bad, but at least we're having. We are. (laughs) Say nothing about the platform. Um, uh, Because of Skype. Damn. Sorry. So almost four years later, four years, and we're here talking about. Quentin Tarantino's next movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Do you... Is there anything on your mind or anything you think we need to talk about before uh, we dive into this bad boy? That's always your thing. Well, I'm opening on the floor to you, my friend. Oh, no, I have nothing to talk about. I think I am. Are you glad that summer's almost over? Yeah. For the kitties to come back to school? No, I'm already at back to school, first of all. Yikes. Um, and I just, I don't like the heat. Yeah, the heat sucks. It was 89 today in, in the city when I was out and about, and I just wasn't prepared for it. Ugh, it's 92 I'm tomorrow. I'm pretty sure it just adds another 10 degrees of weather because of the sheer amount of people. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Well, it's it's 87, but it only feels like 91. So that's, that's only four degrees difference. Because last weekend it was like, 95 and it was a feels like of 113 so that was obviously a pretty big jump but this one's today was a little bit more manageable but i got the ac going so i'm all cozy can't even hear i'll tell you what i'm shopping for a rug though and it's really stressing me out rugs are expensive i actually i saw one i was in brooklyn today to see hollywood and um i went i stopped by a target and i found a really nice one that seemed like it would fit my place for only 15 bucks oh really yeah but, like, that's the thing that sucks about, like, the only thing I don't like about being in the city is, like, you have to, when you buy stuff like that, you have to, you don't have a car, you know? It's like you'd have to take a taxi or an Uber to get it to to your house, and it costs money, you know? So, 
or you can have it, or you just get it delivered on Amazon. But that can be a whole thing, and I don't know. I'll try to find somewhere nearby because I really need a rug. There's not really that many targets, are there, around you? Yeah, there's one in Brooklyn, and then uh, where my old apartment was, they just built one. I didn't see if it had a rug the last time I was there, but um, it's worth looking for sure. But that's I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know if I want to carry a rug that far. So maybe I might just have one sent to me. Huh. Yeah. Rug Amazon, talk. Dude. Rug talk. Welcome to our rug-based podcast. I just don't like hardwood floors. Well, I like hardwood floors, but I don't like to walk on them. I bet yours are pretty crappy. No, they're really nice. I don't I mean, I don't, know, I don't know what is... I, I guess I haven't really seen a bad hardwood floor, I guess. It would be something that would give you splinters. I sp- Something or, that's like ultra-lived in, you know. No, it's pretty smooth and, Like, you know. the, the finish is gone. The finish looks fine to me, but I like things a little bit more rustic and kind of rugged, I suppose. But I just think a rug would be nice. <laughs> I just, it would just be nice to swing my legs over my bed, st- step down onto a nice rug to start the day. I don't know. I've got like I've a little, lo- got a little long hallway going to my closet, so maybe I'll get like a longer rug there, and then just do a main one in the room. Hmm. Decisions, decisions, Cody. Yeah, good talk. Okay. <laughs> what about what interior design projects are you uh, mulling over? I just hung up a bunch of pictures. Oh, nice. Are any of them of me? Yep, all of them. Oh, good. You got them. <laughs> they came in okay. That's great. It's good to hear. Was it? Are they the nudes, or are they just the normal, like me posing in the forest, looking from behind a tree? Just the the second one, the latter. Okay. Because it reminds me that you could be at my woods anytime. <laughs> there are woods behind my room. That's true. I never. I always like to keep an eye on you. That's. I get worried. I get worried. Good. That's I'm just, what I wanted. I'm just looking out for you. <laughs> Trying to segue into Hollywood, but uh, I think we just got to dive into it. You know, no, no beating around the bush. Let's talk about Once Upon a Time. Wait, unless you wanted to talk about your. Uh the clothes topic. Oh now. no no no! I'm not. I'm, we're not ready for that talk yet. We need. I need. We need a full roster to really dive into the <laughs> things I have to say about clothing, because I got one specific take that is going to be. I, I, I don't want to say what it's going to be, but it, it'll be interesting to, to see what happens. But um, there's closing in this movie, so we can talk about that. Once upon a time. Dot dot dot. In Hollywood. So you still wreck, huh? here. You can do. Anything you want to him. I hired you to be an actor, Rick. Not a TV cowboy. You're better than that. Line. Cut! Embarrass yourself like that in front of all those goddamn people. All right, what's the matter, partner? It's official, old buddy. Well, it has been. Who I got living next door to me? I'm Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. You're in this? That's me. I play Miss Carlson, the klutz. (laughs) Great trailers for this movie. Fabulous trailers, like the one. The trailers did not really tell you what the movie. The movie it did tell you. 
exactly what the movie was going to be about, but somehow at the same time didn't. It's really weird. Well, the movie is slower and takes its time, and the trailers, like all trailers, are peppy fast-paced. and fast and fun. Um, one of, it's one of, something I've been thinking a lot about recently is, you know, is comparing how a trailer is cut to the actual the actual movie and I don't know, I've noticed some interesting things um, but this th- this is definitely a case where the trailer did not really reflect the movie particularly well and I think that's a good thing but because um, I'm past really getting worked up about a trailer and then letting that influence how I feel about the movie but maybe some yeah, people aren't you say know. that but then you watch trailers like all the time i watch some trailers i don't watch you watch like every trailer i watch no that's not true you're always like hey did you watch that trailer and i'm always like no i thought you weren't watching trailers remember it happens every time that is not true i did not watch a trailer for the art of self i did but i saw it on accident Mm. the lion king i did the farewell i didn't see a trailer the dead don't die i Saw some of a trailer. Midsummer did not see a trailer. I just so, wonder what it's like to be a liar all the time. <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. It's really, really hard. But I, I try. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Initial thoughts, my dear Cody. Great. Great. One of the best. One of the best of his. For were, sure. you, were you excited about it coming in? Were how? Uh, tell me, what was your headspace bef- in the minutes before you walked into the theater to go see it? Hell yeah. I was very excited for it going, and I love Tarantino. Yeah. All of his movies except Jackie Brown are really great. Mm-hmm. So I was super excited because I knew even if it was a bad Tarantino movie, it was going to be a good movie. Right. It was great. I yeah, I was very excited for it going in, and I was not disappointed. Even What's... though it was longer than any movie <laughs> in the world, it uh, it was it was pretty long. Uh, but it's a good thing, I think. Um, for the most part. Yeah, I've I'm like a lot of people, like everybody, pretty much. I've had this circled on my calendar for a long while. Um, you know, Tarantino is. Not somebody that, like, when I think about my favorite directors, it immediately comes to mind, I guess, because I don't really rewatch his movies that often. Um, but uh, well, when my watching and listening to, I'll talk about it a little bit more. But I rewatched Django before this, and I sort of kind of fell in love with that movie all over again, and then, uh, which got me excited for this. And, um, and yeah, like I said, I've been super excited for it, and it did not let me down at all. Like, I think. For this one specifically, I did read a little bit more, um, you know, some reviews and other analysis of it just to, because I heard a lot of it's not what you think it is, so I kind of read some stuff to sort of manage my expectations so I know what I'm getting into, because, again, I I just watched Django, so the temptation is to think that it's going to be a lot like that, or a lot like Hateful Eight, and this movie is just not, it's... It's you wouldn't really be able to tell it's a Tarantino movie. It's uh, some of the times, uh, just stylistically, not with, you know, what's on the page or uh, how it's shot. It's just it's hmm. the movie is really long, and it's there isn't that sort of kinetic energy that his movies, sans Jackie Brown, seem to have that oh always have. It's a lot, especially after watching Django. Like Django, 
is a just fantastic movie and it uh, and there's always some objective or some place that the characters are trying to accomplish or trying yeah, to get yeah, to. That wasn't the case in this one. Yeah, in this one it, there's really no objective. There's no there's no obstacle it's one of anybody. those dreaded uh, slice of life movies. It is. Except There's... it was good. <laughs> and I do like slice of life movies. Like uh, ever thinking back, everybody wants some. I loved. Uh, Book smarts a little bit more objective-y, but uh, Lady Bird is certainly slice of life-y. Like I uh, boyhood. Like, boyhood. Yeah. I really like those movies, and to see Tarantino um, just approach a movie like that. And even Jackie Brown is pretty objective heavy, uh, so it's not even it's even below that in terms no, of. No, it's just bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the biggest fan. Um, it's probably the black sheep of his filmography, but some people it's their favorite, which blows my mind. But whatever. Um, but yeah, this so this was so I managed my expectations, and I came in knowing that this was going to be more restrained and laid back, and it. I enjoyed it as much as I possibly could have. Uh, maybe not, maybe I wouldn't have if I hadn't have kind of familiarized myself with what it was beforehand. But, um, yeah, now that I've seen it, I this really, really like it. perfect for you. It's 1,000% dialogue. <laughs> but even then, it's not like, you know, we, you and Josh and I were sort of joking. Josh said I was, oh, I, and it's in my letterbox if you want to see it, that I'm a weeb for good dialogue. And <laughs> that's true. And when I think of this movie, I'm not... I do, I'm not thinking of the dialogue really. Really? No, not like it's it's strong. It's good. It's this movie's very funny, but again, it doesn't have the kind of rhythm up to it that something like Django has. Just as a comparison, where this movie's a lot more quick and just measured, and there isn't a big speech or a soliloquy, if we want to use that fun word. It's just it's very natural. It doesn't even. Sorkin and, and Tarantino both share the same trait where their dialogue sounds like dialogue, but this mm-hmm. movie is not that. It sounds, it actually, to a degree, sounds like people talking. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, it's not, when you say that, you mean it sounds like realistic? Yeah, like the. Like that's how people would talk. They're not speaking in like Sorkinese. Yeah, or Tarantinoese. Tarantinoese. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is, it does sound, you know normal and that's not to take away from his incredible skills as a writer but this is a movie that i think he directed more than he wrote and then if anything i would say that that even shows or it's a it's a compliment to his writing it's hard to make people sound normal in movies that's true usually the more normal you try to make them sound the more stilted it is the hello fellow kids they actually sound exactly like there's that movie um from a few years ago, Patriot Day, the Mark Wahlberg film about yeah. the bombings. You know when Mark Wahlberg said he could have he could have stopped nine eleven if he was on one of the planes. God bless him. <laughs> um, and that you know that's I don't mean to pick on whoever wrote that script. It's just the first thing that comes to mind where you know they the stuff that they try to have as you know realistic playful banter sounds so forced and overwritten. Where like people talking about joking about pronunciations like oh you think it's worcester it's worcester what do you mean like you know that kind of crap and and, Mm -hmm. you know great dialogue is sounds either just insanely real like ladybird or 
is you know what you usually get from Tarantino, what you always get from Sorkin, where it's just supercharged and it's rhythmic and it sounds like music and it's just coming at you nonstop. Um, and then everything in the middle just sort of blends together for me, uh, unless it's funny, I, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a long way of saying that this is not again your typical Tarantino script, but it still works really effectively. Um, mm-hmm. Which is which is also tough because uh, the great the things that make his characters great are their dialogue, and he was able to make these characters just as great as you know Django or King Schultz or whatever without um, as much artillery, I guess. And um, the interplay is really what made them memorable and how they carried themselves and all that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, let's get into the cast a little bit. DiCaprio. Talk about a perfectly cast movie. My yeah. goodness. Who who stood out to you? Other than the main two, I guess. Other than the main two, huh? Um, I don't really know. I just... Everybody did such a great job in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Honestly, I forgot who played Sharon Tate. <laughs> Margot Robbie. Is that Margot Robbie? Okay. She was really great for the four seconds she was on screen. Yeah, I mean, no better time than the present, I guess, to dive into this. But how do you feel about how they handled Sharon Tate slash the Manson situation? Loved it. I loved, loved it. it. Loved it. Yeah, I love, like, I, I think it's hilarious. That was the one some of the funniest five minutes of screen time I've seen all year. Oh, at the very end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we get to that. But let's, let's... I'm just talking about that whole last sequence, but... Yeah. No, I thought it was it was fine. It was good. Now, a lot of... Some people have sort of complained, and I, you know, not to say anything bad about you, but I expected you to maybe have a similar criticism of why involve Sharon Tate at all. Because they obviously are rewriting history, so why... So, you know, people are asking the question of, you know, does Sharon Tate need, even need to be in this? I don't know. I feel like she... She has a deeper meaning that I'm not really smart enough to... Uh, discuss because I'm not smart mm-hmm. but it's something like I, she she represents something deeper like Hollywood almost could you say innocence maybe or the Russians the American dream <gasps> Tarantino he did it he um, did it <laughs> uh, okay what was no I thought it was great and I don't mind his alternate history stuff Mm-hmm. I like the end of Inglorious Bastards is also amazing to me. Yeah, I love when they kill Hitler because <laughs> yes. that didn't happen. You know that, right? Wait, what? Yeah, that didn't happen. But it was in the movie. Yeah, it didn't happen. Another movie that didn't actually happen the way it sounded or it, it was on screen was uh, Greatest Showman. Wait, Cody, what are you saying? I don't understand. Are you telling me P.T. Barnum was a bad guy? Yes. <laughs> oh, no. He was a terrible guy. Um, okay, not, not that... So I guess I'll just sort of address kind of... Do you not like that they put that in the movie? No, I loved it. I thought it was... I, you know, people... Uh, yeah, they're sort of complaining like, oh, you know, it just adds to the runtime and it's not like it 
goes into the plot or anything where I think the the key and the point is that, you know, Tarantino said he was like nine or whatever when these when these murders occurred. And, you know, just to dive into the Manson murders themselves, like what you saw on screen was obviously not what happened. These guys went straight to their house and killed her, her friends and killed her, you know, while she was pregnant. Like it was just the most horrific thing. And, you know, Tarantino said a lot of, in the press tour about how, you know, he he felt like, you know, 19 her the murders, their murders sort of ended the 60s, ended the hippie spirit love movement and then we marched right into the 70s, which was defined by Vietnam and Watergate mm-hmm. and that was just it led to one of possibly our darkest decade other than the civil war as a country. And um you know, the, so cuz really if you break down modern american history i guess it's world war ii ends the idyllic i love lucy 50s and then you get into the hippie 60s 70s mm-hmm. with vietnam and watergate 80s is just a mess and then so on and so forth so underscored all by the fear of the atomic bomb yeah the cold war was great we get it <laughs> it was good movies coming out of it um so this movie is just about i think it's tarantino trying to make sense of I guess the shift in tone, like I think what he wants to sort of, uh, you know, what he's sort of implying between with a lot of his movies is that like pretty much every generation gets their trauma, their traumatic Mm -hmm. event. Like for us, it was nine 11 for him. It was the Mansons. And then I guess you can take your pick of, uh, what happened sort of in between. I would argue that nine 11 is our placeholder. We're still waiting for our super huge trauma because we were not old enough to recognize. Yeah, but 9/11. we we we're feeling its after effects. Yeah, right now I'm just saying it's a placeholder. For us, for you, saying you for you, like for our generation specifically. Eh, I don't know. I think 9 is it, man. No, I think everything changed after 9/11. Just like everything changed after after the Manson murders. You're gonna feel pretty silly once the nuke goes off. Dude. <laughs> Ah, God, who knows? That would be crazy. That is that is scary to think, though, that there is going to be, no matter what, there's going to be some next thing. That's nuts. Um, but getting back to the more happy things. So instead <laughs> of having an entire family slaughtered, um, no. But yeah, I think that's sort of what Tarantino was trying to do. He was trying to talk and you know about both his and his generation's sort of loss of innocence, and because Manson murders were worldwide news, and it's you know, uh, and it's it's shocking when you when the he- headlines are, f- you know, families slain in Hollywood, and you know some of the pictures that had made their way around, and I think keeping Sharon Tate alive and distancing her from all that was sort of. It was saying something about the, about innocence and saying something about what could have been if not for that. And who knows what his alternate alternate history looks like? I think the implication is that you know Rick Dalton goes and hangs out with her and then becomes the next big star. star. And then Roman Polanski maybe or maybe not you know rapes a child. Who knows? I was going to say, isn't he a piece of shit in real life? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's a huge piece of shit, enormous piece of shit. Um, and then maybe th- this is. Maybe in the alternate Quentin Tarantino history, that's not the case. Who the heck knows? But it was an interesting, it just an, it was an interesting choice to make. Um, he's compared it a lot to his his Roma, so his memory piece, and mm-hmm. 
instead of sort of depicting exactly what it was like, he tried to do that while also rewriting history and trying to create something, a better world, pretty much. And I really admire that. It's, it's, a, it's a choice that not a lot of people could pull off and not a lot of people would even attempt. Like, is how many times had this kind of an alternate history situation been put on film before Inglorious Bastards? Not too many, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I'm sure there's somebody did it, but it's, it's, it feels like an idea that's unique to him, and he really does it for the right reasons, I think. Um, uh, um, but yeah, DiCaprio. <laughs> Let's get on the performances. Oof. I... <sighs> shit, this is like... This is probably when it's all said and, down, said and done my third favorite performance from him. I thought he was fantastic. What'd you say? Run through them. What are your favorite performances? Oh, if this is uh, your third, what are the other two? One is Wolf of Wall Street. I think he's hmm. fantastic in that. He's just full of energy. Uh, so fun to watch. He's just putting on a clinic in that movie. Uh, and it's just all him. Like 80% of that movie is he, he is the focal point. It's incredible. Uh, two in two would be Django. I just think he plays a really, really fun, interesting villain. Um, seeing him that, you know, <laughs> despicable, it's just total fun. And then this would be, <laughs> this would be three just over the aviator. Cause aviator is great, but he played it. He played the role too early. If he did aviator like next year, it would have been amazing, but he still was, he did it when he was like 26 and, it just doesn't look quite right. Um, so we'll see. Uh, is this the one he should have won best performance for? Aviator? No, this role. Well, that, like, over the Revenant. Well, yeah, absolutely. This is a much better for performance than the Revenant, I think. I don't think so. The Revenant's so good, dude. But this had more layers to it, Cody. Like I loved, I loved the stutter. Uh, you know, brought on by the alcoholism. I loved uh, his <laughs> trailer freak out. Um, I loved how funny he was. Just overall, um, I loved the, you know, when he was shooting the TV, when he was shooting the pilot on the second day where he was playing an actor who was bad at acting and playing a role. Like, he went three levels deep, Cody. You got to understand that. He was playing wow. a guy, playing a guy. That's crazy. That's super. What that's are you super, talking about? When did this happen? In the Which second half, when he was on the TV show, like he's you know Leonardo DiCaprio is acting. He's playing Rick Dalton. Playing oh, playing Taylor another character. Dekatsu. Okay, yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. Three levels deep, and it's which was probably like my second favorite sequence in the movie. And then he's also him. oh yeah yeah it might even been my favorite when he's on the chair with that little girl like shit mm-hmm. oh dear or just the general shooting of that scene. Um, and it's also, it's, it's super fun to watch actors and there's another example of this, but I can't quite think of it, but I know it's there of an actor playing a bad actor where like, you know, cause like the implication with that scene of, uh, of Rick Dalton and Timothy Oliphant or DiCaprio and Oliphant at the table when the guy's eating beans and he fucks up his line. <laughs> is that the, that is keying me into, and I think it's implicating that he's a bad actor. Because he's just going so over the top and he's just trying so hard and not natural at all. Whereas when he comes back out of the trailer, he's a good actor. When he's sitting in the chair with a gun and that girl. Like it, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
it's just it's a lot of it's just a lot of prisms to have to look through to get to get to the performance. I just thought it was a really fascinating thing, and like I so I get why people are going nuts about Brad Pitt. He had a lot of great moments, but to me, I think this is this is DiCaprio's movie, hundred percent. Nobody takes it from him except for Brad Pitt at the very end, <laughs> um, and it's not even it's not even close. And speaking of Brad Pitt. Wow, what do you what do you what do you think about about the pitster? Oh, so good, so good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think he's a shoe in to at least be nominated and best pretty supporting. safe bet to win best supporting. Because that's kind of Tarantino's category. Uh, Christoph Waltz won it both times for Django and Inglorious Bastards. So, and then a couple other people won won the award in the nineties. So that's kind of. That's his. That's his category. And I wouldn't be really surprised if he and, DiCap- he and DiCaprio would won Best Actor and Best Supporting. I don't think DiCaprio is going to win. How look? I mean, because they hate him. No. Now that he's won, then he can win again. Maybe. Um, well, maybe we'll see. Maybe. There's. I can't think of a better performance this year so far. Yeah. yeah no. Nothing. Honestly, the, one of the people he might be going up against is Brad Pitt for for Ad Astra. Not 100% sure that's going to be a Best Actor movie, but there's always a chance because it's, it's Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Like maybe some somebody in The Irishman or, um, I don't know, one of those, something coming up in the fall. Who knows? Um, but yeah, Brad Pitt, I honestly, when I, was, when I was watching this, like it's obviously a great performance. It's obviously one of his best. But I thought, I kept thinking to myself, like when was the last time Brad Pitt was in a really great movie and he was really, really good? Inglorious Bastards. You think so? Yeah. Can you think of a better performance that he's had done? I think this is definitely the best he's been since Inglorious ba- Glorious Bastards, for sure. Like, he was okay in The Big Short. He wasn't, it wasn't a main role, so it kind of didn't even feel like a Brad Pitt movie. I didn't see Fury, but I heard he was good in that. Well, I mean, Fury was just, it was fine. Yeah, I heard he was good in 12 Years of Slave, but I still haven't seen that. I haven't either. World War Z was kind of a <laughs> whatever movie. It sucks. It was good. He was it really, really sucks, and I hope it never comes back. Stop. He was I hope really that good. sequel dies. I hope it dies. <laughs> well, now the, Fincher's, now the Fincher's not making I could give a shit. But, yeah, it cannot get made. I don't care. He was really, he. I think the last nomination he got was Moneyball in 2011. And then he was really great in uh, right before Glorious Bastards in... Uh, Curious Case of Benjamin Button. So, I didn't see that one. But again, that, like, big short. And the, so, like, according to me, you know, the last time I saw him in a lead and that he was really, really great was all the way back in 2011. And, yeah, he's been in other stuff, but he hasn't really been Brad Pitt in a very long time. And mm-hmm. it was really good to see him just be cool and handsome in a movie. It's been a while. And he's really good at that. Um, hopefully at Astra, he's awesome in that too, but, um, I hope he's cool and handsome in that movie too. Well, he's already cool and handsome. We know that. I'm just hoping that the performance in the movies is, is, is good. I'm so excited for that, by the way. It's only, yeah. it's, it's only a little, it's like a little over a month away. So no, two months, no, about a month and a half, but, um, it comes out like the 20th, right? Yeah. Of September, which eh, it doesn't give me the most hope, but. There's another big, I hope, hopeful awards movie coming out in September that, you know, maybe it's, maybe the Oscar season's going to start early. Who knows? Which um, one? It's called The Report. It's about Al-Qaeda. 
and the CIA yeah. and intelligence. How's, how's Kata pronounced? Al Kata. Can you spell it? Q U E D A. I'm making a Trump meme. <laughs> That's how Bush said it Al Qaeda. It's Al Qaeda. Al Qaeda. Al Qaeda. Al Qaeda. Good guy, that Al Qaeda. Um, hmm. Yeah, the, the pairing of DiCaprio and Pitt was just irresistible. I heard some people saying they didn't get enough screen time, but I thought they got the perfect amount. What do you think? Both of them? Yeah. Together. Together, I think they got enough. Yeah. It made one of those driving scenes bearable. <laughs> there was so much driving in this movie. A lot of driving. It. it would have been a perfect car cast, I'm telling you. You could just driven around for two and a half hours. Talked about the movie. You're right, it would have been perfect. You fucked it up, Cody. You fucked it up. I, I fucked say. it up. Yeah, you fucked it up. You're living in the wrong place. I'm not. You are. No. Yes. You could sucks. be a, you could be a professor down here. No, I can't. No oh, shit. That's too bad. These colleges are too nice. I mean, They're too good. They'll ask for too much, and then I wouldn't be able to afford to live there. You could live, and with I'm me. not teaching there. You could live with me. Hmm. Well, uh, for the scenes that she had, I thought uh, Margot Robbie was really good as Sharon Tate. I liked, you know, the the temptation, I guess, of this and. If Tarantino had approached it the other way, I'm sure it would have been fine. But the temptation is to make her a plot machination, kind of like Hitler was in uh, Glorious Bastards. I apologize for comparing Sharon Mar- Tate to Hitler, but you know what I'm saying. I'm not. <laughs> uh, where she's, you know, she needs to be rescued or she needs or somebody's trying to find her and they have to stop them. Blah, 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 blah. Like she's just allowed to be. She goes to a party. She gets a book. She goes to the movies to watch herself, which was so wholesome which and was sweet. was so cute. Very adorable with her big glasses. And she got so excited when people were clapping for her. And then coming home and packing and being pregnant and just going to dinner and just hanging out. Like, it was, you know, the, that was enough That was enough reason to put her in the movie. I didn't feel like it was gross. It would have been maybe gross or icky to make her, you know... Involved like a, an actual character, yeah. Involved with everybody. Just let her be. Let let's. When you think of Sharon Tate, maybe you're not going to think about the Tarantino version, but it'll pop into your head, and that's that's fine. Well, how me. often do you think about Sharon Tate? Not often, but and I think it's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was nevertheless. It was it was very very sweet and um. You know, it looked like Margot Robbie's wearing some sort of prosthetics, but even if she, if she wasn't, I even think she would have been looked fine as because um, they do look a lot alike. And yeah, I did not notice that. It was like a shot when she was driving in the car that I, I noticed. I was like, is there something on her cheeks and chin or something like that? I don't know. Uh, it was a great performance. So Emil Hirsch also, also not in the movie much. He was Jay Sebring, but I kind of liked him a lot. I thought he was really good. Um, yeah. Margaret Qualley, who played Pussycat, the girl that uh, Brad Pitt drives to Spawn Ranch. Have uh, I seen her in something else? I was trying to figure that out earlier, and I, th- I think so, but I can't place her here. Let's let's do the Wikipedia. Uh, she was in The Nice Guys. She was in Death there you Note. Go. That, she was the kid, or not the kid, but the daughter. Oh, okay. Cool. Right? I can't remember. I cannot remember. Mm. I'll take your word for it, though. Uh, it was good to see Timothy Alphonse, obviously. Super underrated actor. Uh, 
he this this guy's been in the news recently because he's going to be playing Elvis alongside Tom Hanks in a Baz Luhrmann movie. Uh, Tex, the guy, uh, the guy on the horse yeah. at Spawn Ranch at the end, is played guy by a guy named Austin Butler, who started off as like your random Disney Channel pretty boy, and like now he's doing Tarantino. He did Tarantino, and he's going to be playing Elvis in a big movie opposite gonna, Tom Hanks. He's going to blow up. Yeah, it's cool. It's it's kind of cool to see that to people that do Disney stuff and turn out to be good actors because a lot of people. Google Orlando Bloom and see how well it goes for others. Because <laughs> he's not doing great. Uh, Dakota Fanning, also in the movie, is uh, Squeaky, the red-haired girl. Uh, wait, no, wait, hold on. Mm-hmm. At the ranch, the one who was watching TV? Yeah. That was Dakota Fanning? Yep. Oh, no. <laughs> I just, yeah. thought she was really good, though. Oh, yeah, she was great, but what happened? She got old. Her face changed. And else, and they're probably doing some prosthetics too. Like I, DiCaprio and Pitt, I think are the only ones who they really let just live and let be. be well, let because be. they weren't real people. Is that one a real person? That's true. Yep, she was. That's probably why. Hmm. Uh, definitely jarring. Mike Moe was really funny as Bruce Lee. I wanted him to be in the movie more. He was just in that one scene, but he was in a couple of scenes. Well, he didn't really. He was. He didn't really talk in the other ones. He just fought people. Um. Or you know was teaching people. Luke Perry, rest in peace. Had a nice little scene. Um, definitely felt like the camera hung on him a little longer than it maybe would have if he wasn't if he hadn't passed. But that's okay. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Who did he play? He played the guy uh, with the cane in the when DiCaprio was like holding that girl and had the gun to her. Oh yeah. Uh, in the okay. show. Yeah, he was the guy that he was the guy that came in while he did, was doing that. Uh, I wanted more Al Pacino. I loved his character, and he thought he was so funny as uh, Margin, Marvin Schwartz, the agent. <laughs> Not Schwartz. Not Schwartz. Schwartz. <laughs> what a great picture. <laughs> uh, Damien Lewis also wanted kind of, I wanted more of him as Steve McQueen. I thought he was really good. Uh, just put more Damien Lewis in everything. I think that guy's great. That's uh, the guy from Band of Brothers, right? Sure. I don't. I don't know. Well, you need. I don't know he who he was. You need. I need your help. He was Steve McQueen. He was at the Playboy party. He yeah, the who was he in real guy. life though? I need to know if I recognize him or not. Uh, he the guy from is... Homeland. Yes, Homeland, and he was in Homeland. He played Nicholas Brody, the best character in Homeland. You've never seen it. Shut up. <laughs> no, I haven't. Uh, also in Romeo and Juliet, 2013. What? When Romeo and Juliet came out in 2013. I don't know, but Haley Steinfeld played Juliet in it. You gonna watch it now? Nope. She's also Claire Danes one. Uh, that's I like that one actually. I like that I one quite a bit. I had to watch it in school. Leo's in it. I watched I the one from like the 60s that had the boob. Yeah, that's I remember everyone was making a big deal about it. I was kind of mad I didn't get to see it. <laughs> yeah. It's too bad. Uh, Michael Madsen also showed up as uh, Sheriff yep, on Bounty Law. Super tiny cameo. Scoot McNary. I like that um, Quentin Tarantino's letting Bruce Dern still work until he dies. <laughs> well, the funny thing is that that was originally going to be Burt Reynolds, and then he died. <laughs> Uh-oh. 
And even more interesting, Burt Reynolds was also supposed to be in the movie played by James Marsden, but the role got cut. Because he died? Well, like, the role just got cut. Probably because he died, but maybe because it just didn't have a place in the movie. But I'm sure we'll see it at some point. Um, by the way, it, side tangent, who, what do you think Scoot McNary's first, uh, real first name is? Scoot. No. Scooter. No. S- Scott. No. <laughs> Samuel. It's not an S. Frank. No. John. Yes! It's John, and he goes by Scoot. That's too bad. Wouldn't you? Nope. Uh, mm. Damon Harriman played Charles Manson very briefly. Do you think For the movie, one scene? Do you think the movie needed more Charles Manson? No. No? Why is that? Because then it would have just been a Charles Manson movie, which is not what it was. Fair right? point. Yeah. That's a very fair point. Hmm. Um, give me some other likes and or dislikes from you. Other than the driving, I can't really think of any dislikes. You thought that was unnecessary? A little bit I much? I thought it was just too long. Yeah. I, I didn't mind that they had it in there, but it was just, they did it too much. Well, I mean, I I kind of like it when movies, and maybe I can definitely sympathize if you think they did it too much, but I really like it when movies stop and just don't have anything plot related and just let you sit for a minute and let you be in a world. Like, Miyazaki does that a lot. Um, Nolan does that. Mm-hmm. He usually accompanies that with like some crazy visual, but he usually, you know, gives the gives you a chance to breathe. But I will concede that maybe there was a little bit too much of it, but it worked well enough for me. That, um, and I, you know, and this is one of those movies that I just sort of didn't want it to end, so the runtime never really got to me because I was always, you know, when I saw it the first time, I was really excited to see where what places the story would go, and then this last time I saw it, I was. I knew what would happen, so the movie um, moved a lot more, a lot more quickly, and it wasn't yeah. it was much of a problem. Um, uh, but I could definitely, I understand if you thought it was a little bit much, because maybe it was. But I kind of, I think if if you're gonna do two twenty, then you might as well just do two forty five. You know, <laughs> get to that oh. is much of a difference. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, <laughs> Long run times is a huge turnoff for most people. Yeah, but pretty much every theater is being transitioned into a theater with recliners. So, you know, maybe they'll be like Syracuse. Yeah, get a little napping. Do you know that? The Regal at Destiny is getting a, um, an over or uh, what am I trying to say? Renovation. Renovation. It's getting a little uh, makeover. That's nice. It's going to be some recliners. Very exciting. Um. Yeah, long, definitely, definitely long movie, but I'm okay with that. I am okay with that. Uh, music, Fa- fabulous. Mm-hmm. Nothing, and it thankfully, it, like the temptation, and you could sort of. I can't, I can't. There's an example I'm thinking of that is content is like set in the past and just uses top forty songs, but now like juke pop, a jukebox in school. No, but it's like a, it's a period piece, but it just it has a soundtrack like this, but it just uses songs that you've heard a million times, and 
What I'm trying to say is this did. It had a really good cut, uh, like a bunch of deep cuts and a bunch of well, a lot of B-sides rather than A-sides. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, perfect way to say it. Songs that fit the scene and weren't there just to, you know, give the audience member berries. Um, the only song that I recognized right off the bat, and even then it was kind of a stretch, was Out of Time by the Rolling Stones that played uh, towards the third act. And yeah, I didn't recognize that. Baby, 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 you're out of time. I love that song. The only reason you know that is because you're a fan of the Rolling Stones. Exactly. And I, there's nothing wrong with that. No, it's fine. Now, there's a problem with being such a huge fan of you, too, but we won't get into that. Excuse me? Cody, I've only seen them, like, over ten times. I don't think I've ever seen a band more than once. Well, that's because you don't believe in God. It's and he true. doesn't believe in you. That's... You don't either. <gasps> you hate God. You told me. I've got issues with him. Anyways, does Tarantino believe in God? Interesting. No. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, but the the music works really, really, really well. Really good songs that you don't really hear too often that you can tell Tar- Tarantino's just been singing to, in it, to himself for years and finally put him in a movie. Um, but what I really liked, and I, a really genius little trick that... Um, I think really put you into 1969 better than almost any other choice you could have made is the radio. Having the songs only play when they'd be on the radio. Well, no, just the have the songs playing over the radio. Some of them are needle drops, you know, people actually playing records, yeah. but just the radio advertisements. And I guess you could also say the TV, you know, stuff you see that on TV is sets the mood for, you know, for 1969 really really well because it's got these old-timey advertisements of like ah, 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 and like people selling stuff and old-timey djs and old tv shows and it just did i thought it, it really did a great job placing you in in that in the time and now some movies don't even think to do that that are uh that are old but then again most movies don't have really the time for you to hear the radio because they'd always be have dialogue over it. Um, and I just thought that was a really, really deft, uh, thoughtful touch that Tarantino dropped in. And I just, it's amazing that he was able to find those too. Like, I have no idea. Like, where do you go to get random radio broadcasts from the late sixties? Well, how do you know that they didn't just redo them? Well then if they did, that's even more awesome. That's so cool. That's just, that's how I figured they did it. Really? Wow. I mean, they redid a lot, plenty of other stuff. So I guess why not? redo radio you don't even have to worry about visuals you can just go into a recording booth but um yeah maybe either way it's a, it was an awesome choice uh, tv a little bit less so because the stuff on tv <laughs> was a little cheesy and stupid but it was the 60s so whatever. that was actual tv back then though no god I'm boring was that like the scene where dakota fanning's in that chair watching tv it's like that looks so fucking boring like yeah god there's nothing it's just stupid shit and like Who wants to watch Bonanza seriously Bonanza we watch FBI and Bonanza every night exactly F- Bonanza bad show gonna, I'm, I've never seen that I don't know what that is that and Little House on the Prairie can both go die I hate those shows I watch hmm. some ups like MASH can, I'll fuck with MASH MASH is funny it's still funny but Bonanza go to hell it's dumb dumb stuff like I used to work at a um, and we used to work at a place, a TV station. And um, it was one of those, um, 
like it's channel two or whatever. There's a channel two one and a channel two 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 three, mm-hmm. and two one or two two was like an old timey, um, like they played reruns pretty much of shows in the '60s and early '70s that like you know people in retirement homes would have on to remind them of the good old days that kind of thing. And there's yeah. some, some of the stupidest shit in the world that I would randomly catch on there. Just dumb stuff. Like Don't like TV land, dude? I hate TV land. All Pretty much every show made before 19... Eh, other than MASH, I guess, before 1980 is garbage. I'm sorry. Before 1980? Yeah. Hmm. Like I, love I Love Lucy's garbage? I Love Lucy slaps. MASH is cool. And I can really give or take any everything else. I don't, like, it's all, like, just stupid like uh 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 what's it called the the one with like the, it's the house and there's like 15 kids a brady bunch dude that show's awesome brady bunch is shit it is oh, so shit. dumb it's so good it's so boring the cosby show <laughs> that's bad for a different reason <laughs> hard to enjoy it when you know what bill's doing on his off days let's just say because he's in jail for being a serial rapist yeah, no Bill Cosby. Interesting. He was a pretty big deal in the six. I actually, I did hear him on a radio advertisement. I noticed in the second time I saw it, there was like he, him, and two other people were going to be at something in L.A. I was like, oh, the Cosby. Interesting. Bill. Bill. Also, kind of assumed that the Beatles or the Rolling Stones would maybe play a little bit of a part, or was Pink Floyd a thing? I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, about 1969. I mean, Beatles were broken up, my guy. Yeah, but still, they were they and the Stones are the bands of the '60s, you know. So I thought they would play a little bit, maybe not a part in the story, but maybe have a couple, maybe have a song or two. I guess the Stones are out of time, but <laughs> just get that cameo from. Uh... But also, um, one of the other things that kind of signified, I think, I guess three things. Now I think about it, kind of signify the end of the '60s or uh, Manson murders, the Beatles breaking up, and then Altamont. And um, I guess Tarantino decided to focus on just one of them. But um, what was the third one you said? Altamont. I don't know what that is. Uh, so the Stones, I think, tried to do like they weren't invited to Woodstock, but they wanted to do something similar. So they went. They played a concert at a big, at like a racetrack in Altamont, California. And while they were playing under my thumb. Uh, a Hell's Angel who was hired to do security, like oh, started beating the shit out of everybody. No, no, he like specifically stabbed a dude in the throat and like killed him. And they ended the concert, and the Stones took off. And apparently, the Hell's Angels planned to kill Mick Jagger like a couple years later, but they got, um, you know, there was a storm, so their boat got either sunk or just, you know, fucked up. So they had to go back, and it was like a whole Thanks. thing. And I think Tarantino mentioned it in an interview of Altamont, but I can't remember. Uh, funny enough, actually, Scorsese was a camera person at Altamont because they recorded the show. Isn't that interesting? It is. Is it available? Uh, I think it's on YouTube. Yeah, you can even see the footage of the guy getting stabbed. Oh, cool. I love snuff. <laughs> <coughs> but Scorsese was there. It's crazy. crazy. Yeah, he's the one who filmed it himself with his own camera. No, he was on the crew. I don't know. If, I don't know who exactly was behind the camera, but he was definitely there, which is very interesting. And then he and the Stones went on to be buddies. Funny how that works. What if they talk about it? Watch like, hey, guy remember, die. remember that guy got killed? That was fun. Like, um, I don't think so, Malty. No. <laughs> uh, other likes and dislikes for you. 
know. How about you? I don't know. How about you? Um, <laughs> no, I mean, you need to, I don't know what to say because it was good. I liked almost everything, pretty much everything. If they already said the thing I don't really like about it. DiCaprio? Yeah, I know. Yeah, he was awful. So bad. Why is that guy even still working? He's the worst. He should have quit after Titanic. <laughs> he kind of did for a couple years. You know, he didn't... He was supposed to jump on... Well, normally people would think you jump onto a big franchise or whatever, but he's like, no, nah, I'm going to just chill. And then he kind of... I think he did Romeo and Juliet, Man of the Iron Mask, and then Catch Him If You Can, not shortly after. So He should have been Spider-Man. I'm glad things worked out the way they did. Because if maybe if he did Spider-Man, he wouldn't have done good stuff. Like what? Inception. Spider-Man would have been over by then. This? Well, if... Eh, I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe that's an al- that's Tarantino's next alternate history is DiCaprio playing Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man, I'd watch that movie. <laughs> uh, Once Upon a Time in Sony. Um... What did you What did you think about the Cliff Booth wife storyline? I don't remember what that was. About what he, how he killed his wife, quote, oh, supposedly. Kind of unnecessary, but I guess it kind of set up the third act. Yeah. How How so? Because it shows that he has no qualms with killing. I guess. Well, he beat the shit out of that one guy at at Spawn Ranch. No problem. Probably could have. And it didn't need to be in the movie. Yeah, I, I just that's, thought it got a little fun. It added a funny scene. I don't really think it really changes character that much. Yeah, and I'm wondering why that is. Like, why in, you including it is cool. Like, they not, not cool because you know go wife murdering, but it's an interesting shade to his character. Um, where and you do it, it's almost played like a joke when you see it because it just does a really hard cut after she's yelling at him and you told him that harpoon or flare gun or whatever it was and um it is the reason for him getting kicked off of that set uh Uh and then it just sort of doesn't go anywhere it's sort of forgotten and i'm just maybe something was cut or like a joke or a line or something to kind of give that storyline and closure but it just doesn't it sort of just ends and it's used for that one scene, and then it's irrelevant to the rest of the plot. And I don't know. I, I that I don't know if it's bad, but I don't think it's a it's particularly good <laughs> storytelling. It's just a it's sort of, it just feels like an, an abandoned plot line. And I guess that maybe would be my one negative. I'm fine overall with the inclusion of that to his character. I think it it kind of makes you pay more attention to him. Of like this guy mm-hmm. does have. Uh, he's violent. He can yeah. actually hurt somebody if he wants to. Yeah, he's violent. He's vengeful. And then also it begs the question of maybe what what didn't we see after a cut? Like did did maybe he yell at her and then she he went to bed and she got drunk and fell off? Yeah, like maybe he was innocent. And I don't know. I just that felt unresolved and kind of is the thing that's going to annoy me when I go back to watch this again at some point in the future of like, yeah, why didn't you do anything with that? Like maybe she shows up in the third act. Like that'd be stupid probably, but. There just was no resolution to it other than, you know, getting kicked off the set because the guy, because Randy's wife hates him. Mm-hmm. That's That would be my biggest negative, honestly. It's, I loved everything, but that just felt incomplete and kind of either half-assed or just abandoned. And I don't know. 
I don't know. Um, the Spawn Ranch scene. That was a really, really fun set piece. I yeah, think. I liked it. Because, you know, even if, if you woke up from a coma and didn't know about the Manson murders, first of all, you'd be super old and you'd be, you would not know what the hell's going on. But uh, just in general, like, who's president? I don't know. Uh, but it was a really cool, spooky kind of uh, tonal shift that uh, that happened in the middle of the movie and was really long, like maybe a half an hour's worth of stuff. And um, just very unsettling. And you kind of, you know, I don't know about you, but I expected, because I didn't really look into the biographies of everybody too much, but I almost expected him to go in there and find this guy's rotting corpse or something like that. How did you feel? Yeah, that's about, what I, that's what I thought they were. Um, yeah. Trying to get to, but I'm glad that that's some good audience subversion right there. Yeah. He's just old and cranky. Um, yes. And Bruce Dern. God, really? He's so old. <laughs> he's 84. I don't know. Like, it's freaking me out. Mick Jagger just turned 76. He's on tour. He had a kid. He's got a kid. He's got a toddler. <laughs> He's the best. I love my Mick Jagger. Um, but no, that was Not a really... The moves like Jagger? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I don't get it, Cody. It's the song. Oh. Nickelback? Okay. Ladies photograph. Um, I do what makes me laugh. Be saying that at my sixth grade graduation. Really? Yep. Why? I don't know. Because like my graduating class was like twenty kids, so it was just sort of everybody kind of knew everybody, and it was just this big. It was a big moment. I lobbied pretty hard, pretty hard for uh, three six nine by uh Split Mafia or whoever they are. Who? Three Six Mafia. And they have a song. I can't remember what it's called. I could have done better with that joke, but whatever. Let's move on. Let's move past it. Let's just move past it. Uh, Yeah, the Spawn Ranch scene, really spooky. I expected something really bad to happen to Cliff. It didn't. And it ended on a very satisfying note of him just dropping that guy multiple times. beating the shit out of that guy. Oh, my God. Sort of gives you a hint, a nice little hint of what's to come. Um, and then, oh, that guy had no chance. Guy, I, but goddamn, he he changed the tire pretty quick because it seemed like Tex was you know minutes away, and the guy was already, and then Cliff was already gone with the after the tire got stabbed and he, he like drove away. So I thought Tex was gonna get there, but whatever. Um, Let's see. Other what? What other scenes or moments of the movie jump out to you as being particularly good? The finale. Um, that's that's my favorite part of the movie. Just like I said earlier, the whole sequence where. Uh, yeah, let's 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 pull. Let's hold off on that for just another minute. Uh, <laughs> save it. Save it till the end. Um, say your piece. Okay. Stop silencing me. You're censoring me. <laughs> Cody, am I limiting the marketplace of free ideas? Oh, you're a fucking communist. <laughs> yes. 
Did you feel like it did? It, this movie dove too deep into this whole behind the scenes of Hollywood and like recreating old TV shows and stuff like that. How do you think did it handled that? What do you, I mean, well, great. You liked it. I feel like this is what um, Hail Caesar was trying to be. Mm. And I, I still like that movie. I have fond memories I, of it. The further I got away from it, the less I liked it. I can't, honestly could not tell you the last time I thought about it until now, but I smiled yeah. when you mentioned it, so I feel like that's an indicator that it's good. Last time I thought about it was at the end of this movie. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, they definitely do share some similarities, that's for sure. Um, I kind of want to watch that now. Shit. I wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, definitely they do share some they do share some similarities. Um but I don't I thought it was really cool of Tarantino, you know, putting together you know, like the the scene when DiCaprio and uh, Timothy Oliphant are at that table, you know, eating beans or whatever and uh you know, that you can hear the director off uh, off off screen yell back to one and the camera undoes its movement and it both does that in the movie oh yeah doesn't it do it in like a shot like that was really good yeah yeah like there was a lot of unbroke like the scene of DiCaprio and the girl out on the um uh on the deck there was a pretty long scene that was completely uncut and just was the two of them working off each other she was so good um wasn't an annoying kid actor at all and, oh my god she was great you know redo you know staging these old this tv episode and there was a lot you know Tarantino definitely let the let the movie breathe at times and didn't overcut it as he is sometimes apt to do. Um, and in one time, there was a scene in Django that I thought went out, got spliced a little bit too much, uh, towards, mm. towards the end at the, the dinner scene. I think if you kept it on a, you know, if you held, then it might've been given a better impression, more given more tension, I guess. But, uh, Django's so good, by the way, Jesus, this movie's amazing. Might be top tier Tarantino. It might, it could be my favorite. The more is if I watch it a couple more times. Really, I love Django. I think it might be my favorite. Nice, super underrated, super underrated. Jamie Fox, he's he was so great in that. You know what he's doing now? Nothing. He's the host of Shazam, the Oof. music game show on Fox. God damn, he was a good actor. He was. He was supposed to, at one point, he was going to do a Mike Tyson biopic with Scorsese, and he made a big deal about it. It was like, it's going to be Marty Scorsese's first boxing movie since Raging Bull. It's going to be with me as Mike Tyson. And then it just never happened. It's like, oh, Jamie Foxx. It's pretty sad. What happened, I wonder? I really don't know. He's super talented. People really like him. He just doesn't get projects for whatever reason. It's crazy. No one wants to see those Jamie Foxx pictures. <laughs> they do. Neither do they want to see Rick Dalton pictures. Hmm. Um, this movie is also really funny, by the way. Yes. In a very uh, good way. Yes. It wasn't cheap humor at all. It was everything was legitimately, you know, clever or just well timed and all that fun stuff like that. Tarantino movies have always been just kind of silly funny, but this one was actually funny funny. Yeah, pretty funny. Um, especially, I mean, let's just get into the third act. Brad Pitt's acid trip when the with the home invaders, 
hysterical. And he's like, "You're you're real, right?" Like, <laughs> so good. And he like, I thought like, we weren't. I thought we weren't talking. We about can that get to it now. I, I unless you have anything else to add from the first two acts. Which, by the yeah. way, one more one last thing. This movie is a lot like Steve Jobs. Three acts, three days, boom. Easy, easy. Was he influenced by Steve Jobs? No. Yes. Yes, he no. was. He said. I got it. it. Did he my really? influence. No, he didn't say it. But I think said, Danny Boyle is the second best working director behind me. Behind me, and Quentin Tarantino. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that third act. Uh, first of all, it's a time jump. It jumps forward six months because the first two, the first two hours, pretty much take place in uh, on like a weekend in February, uh, mm-hmm. and then it just jumps to six November. months later. Uh, August, actually. August, whatever. I don't fucking care. Because the, that's the day. It happened. They were originally mm-hmm. going to release this on the week of the 50th anniversary, but they did. That would have been up. fucked up. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so uh, Rick has gone out to Italy. He's made four Italian Spaghetti pictures. Westerns. Te- well, one of them was a spy movie. Oh, yeah, you're right. And they were all really funny. It's like, uh, was it, oh, hey, Ringo, come get your gringo. Uh, like hey Ringo of, said the gringo oh yeah yeah and one of them was like the the only good dead in, the only good Indian is a dead one <laughs> yeah that was not okay super racist but like it definitely of the time where we just especially in westerns they've just been treating they've treated you know Native Americans so horribly and made them out to be savages and all that kind of stuff which is which is you know you could say accurate but <laughs> accurate of the time that they were just like I'm just kidding look at these savages like what are they doing to us we're just trying to take their land and they're being mean like what okay <laughs> let's not get into this discussion because I feel like you're gonna find out something you don't want to know about me <gasps> are you a Native American yeah well that's good so am I partially like 1 16th probably I really want to hear this hot take at some point but we'll get we'll die right now <laughs> um but yeah, so he made a bunch of crappy Italian movies, spent way too much on a Rome apartment where it's like, Rick, manage your money better, bro. Got married, brought a girl home. Um, and uh, yeah, they're just, they're headed in for the night and a group of Mansonites, if we, if you want to call them that, uh, drive up Cielo Drive, ready to kill Sharon Tate and all of her pals, just like history. Get, dis- but- get distracted by um, Leo and Brad and their friends. Well, specifically or, Leo, he comes and just... Yeah. And Starts just, yelling at them, get the fuck off my house, this is my road, it's a private road, you're too loud. Mm-hmm. And he's hammered. It's Hammered so, and, like, drinking a full pitcher of margaritas. Rose and margarita mix. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and I thought it was a really interesting moment and, you know, possible commentary from Quentin Tarantino or at the very least acknowledgement of maybe himself is like they get to the bottom of the driveway and they're talking and like, you know, let's kill the people who showed us how to kill because, you know, we talked about this on the podcast before. One of the stupidest things about the United States of America and American culture is that we are totally cool with, you know, showing on network TV, primetime, you know, murders, rapes, beheadings, blood, guts, all that stuff. We're totally cool with it. Nobody bats an eye. You know, and then, but then, you know, a boob or a penis or whatever is just the kids can't 
the kids can't handle that. That's inappropriate for them. Now, kids, go watch, you know, this guy get shot in the fucking neck on CSI on 7 p.m. on a, on a Tuesday. Like, <laughs> it's, it's the biggest farce, and it's just it's stupid conservatives being stupid conservatives, but whatever. Um, and they have, like, this conversation in the car where, like, the, you know, bo- they both re- they realize that the guy that yelled at them was uh, Jake Cahill, you know, Rick Dalton, who played Jake Hill. Yeah, Cahill one of their Law. childhood stars. Yeah, and they realize, like, oh... And then this girl's like, I had this idea that I've been working on from, like, a trip where it's like, let's kill the people who taught us how to kill. You know, let's kill the people who made us the way we are is kind of the what she's sort of trying to say. And that's sort of how history gets uh, toyed with, is him yelling at them and them realizing who he is. Because otherwise, it would have just been, you know, a random, well, Sharon Tate, why not? You know, we know, you know Charles Manson showed up to their house and knew where they knew where she lived and all that. Um, and it's, you know, it's Rick Dalton going out and yelling at them with his Margies that uh, changes history and spares her life. Uh, and then they come to the house and all hell breaks loose. Uh, <laughs> so we're kind of, at this point, we're kind of used to the Tarantino third act blow up. It happened in uh, in Bastards. It happened in Django. It happened in Hateful Eight. Uh, and it's just, it's something that, you know is going to be in all of his movies. This one is by far the smallest. The body count and the blood splatter in totality is definitely the lowest. Yeah, what was it, four people? Three people. Oh, yeah, three, because Maya Hawk ran away. Yep, good for her. Uh, I wonder how she got that gig. Hmm. Um, (laughs) What's your... I don't understand what you're doing. Her mom is Uma Thurman. Oh, I forgot. (laughs) But I didn't think... They like each other. Doesn't Uma Thurman not like Tarantino? There's a history. I don't know. It's complicated. But I guess they're maybe they mended fences. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, it's just three it, three people. And so instead of, you know, a plantation of full of people and bodies all over the place and blood everywhere, or instead of a burning theater of Nazis, or instead of, you know, the end of the hateful eight with the shooting and all that fun stuff, it's just three people in a house. The And... Honestly, it's kind of it's interesting to see Tarantino scale down so much because it just it gives him more time to just go really crazy. Uh, so, do you have this is a morbid thing to ask, but do you have your favorite death in that movie in that sequence? Yeah, what what made you laugh the most, or what made you react the most? Chekhov's flamethrower. <laughs> I was going to mention that. I was like, that's the new. <laughs> like where's the Chekhov's gun did you notice you could see it in the early in the movie when Brad Pitt goes to the house to fix the antenna it's like laying up against the <laughs> yeah it was in the tool shed I, I mentioned that did you I said it? that out loud did you notice it the first yeah well yeah I'm assuming you noticed it the first time you saw it because it's the only time I didn't notice it until the second time oh really I was like oh I wonder I wonder if I can spot the flamethrower in this time and it actually literally holds on it because I just didn't put two and two it together just for a second because there's a scene in the movie uh, when Al Pacino's talking about the Rick Dalton movies he's watched, where they have a sequence of a movie that you see in the trailer of DiCaprio, you know, using a flamethrower to kill a bunch of Nazis, which it's not a Tarantino uh-huh. movie without that. And, uh, and yeah, so then it kind of, I don't know how legit it could be that he got to keep the flamethrower, but I don't know, whatever. It's, I don't know how legit it would be after not being used for 50, or 20 years or whatever. 10 years maybe who knows maybe he took it out every now and again just to you know 
Just like you got to drive a car around if you, you know, every now and again. Yeah, just, just in case. Around. Yeah, just in case. Just keep the wheels fresh. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> that girl was crazy. Like she was just like she got what happened to her? The oh my god, yes. <laughs> so uh, so there's like a Mexican standoff. Uh, there's the guy taxes at the door with a gun. There's a girl. Spoilers, by the way. There's a girl with a knife to his right by the fireplace, and there's a girl with a knife to his left by the side door. And in like a matter of seconds, he you know whistles, and his dog Brandy, who's the best girl, goes yes. and attacks the guy with the gun. Tax. Even though I'm pretty sure that dog had a dick. Was it? Ah, I didn't notice. I'm just putting that out there. Okay. I thought the thing's name was Randy, but then they kept calling it no Brandy. Her. Yeah, it's Brandy. Brandy. I don't know. I think um, that's debatable. But anyways, uh, so the dog attacks the guy with the gun and, you know, goes after his junk, which is hysterical. Hilarious. Uh, and the girl, the girl by the door uh, rushes him and he's holding, <laughs> he's holding a can of dog food and just throws it. Right <laughs> 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 in her face. Just like a fat, like she's running towards him screaming with a knife and he just rears back like he's throwing a baseball. He just goes, blam, right in the face. And like you see, you don't really get a great look, but you definitely see that like it sinks in her nose, like into her face. So she's just covered in blood and screaming. And then she is like the entire time she's on screen, she's just yelling and she runs through a window. She crashes through a window screaming, jumps in the pool and is like firing gun to the air screaming. And then DiCaprio comes... He like sees it happen. He gets out and he goes into his oh, shed. Oh shit! Gets out of the pool. <laughs> and uh, what happens? Runs to his shed and then he burns her to a crisp. <laughs> her top half to a crisp with the flamethrower that they showed earlier in the movie. Yeah. Oh but this God. woman, this Billie Eilish-looking bitch, was so <laughs> stupid. Yeah. She didn't realize she was in a goddamn pool. I know. She could have just ducked. Idiot. <sighs> She died. She died badly too. Well, maybe all of maybe, them died bad. <laughs> maybe the the can of dog food like penetrated her brain and just short circuited, and she just lost all ability to reason. Either way, that <laughs> I saw it again earlier. The, the the can of dog food just right into her, <laughs> right into her face at like eighty miles an hour is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Just <laughs> wham, and then she just drops. <laughs> Oh, uh, man, it's so funny. And then the the other girl uh, who tackles Brad Pitt and ends up stabbing him in the in the leg, he just goes ballistic on her, like smashes her face up against a phone and a table and the wall. And, <laughs> All over the place. Jeez. Just, wow, she gets fucked up. <laughs> Definitely. And then, it's like what they did with Hitler. Yeah, pretty much. And then he steps on um, Tex's face a couple of times, just bashes it in. Brad Pitt does. And... Uh, yeah, it was a wild few minutes, but shit. I shouldn't laugh at that, but I just did. They were all really funny. Just how just crazy Brad Pitt went. It was great. Gosh. Um, <laughs> uh, and then the movie just kind of ends with Brad Pitt, you know, Cliff being taken to the hospital, and then uh, Rick is invited up to Sharon's house for drinks, and then the movie ends. The true alternate history begins. Yeah, definitely leaving on a nicer note. You know, I was worried Cliff was going to die because I kind of even, all things considered, I didn't really want him to. But uh, he made it out okay, and Brandy seemed fine, and Caffrey's wife seemed okay. You know, she took five sleeping pills. <laughs> She'll be down till Columbus Day. Like, that was really funny. And 
Just the way that he was describing uh, what happened to Jay Sebring also was really funny. Just kind of the way that the timing and how the lines were delivered was very funny. Um, <laughs> and it, it led it left off on a very nice note. Um, you know, happy ending. Pretty happy ending. Yeah, not unusual for Tarantino because usually things don't end particularly well. Like Django, kind of happy, but King dies. That ended happy. I mean, but yeah, that happened yeah. before the end, though. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Uh, <laughs> so anecdote way back in the day, like 2012, uh, I was 17, right? Yeah, I was 17 yeah. and it must've been the fall after my birthday. So I just become of age to go see R rated movies and I was dying to see Django Unchained. And so my parents and I went to the mall up in Syracuse and I got a ticket for Django Unchained. And then we <laughs> have, my mom and my dad went to go see something else, and this is the last movie that my dad has ever seen in the theater. And do you want to know what they went to see? Let's see, it's 2012. Um, I don't know. What was it? Life of Pi by Ang Lee. Oof. Apparently that's, like, a great movie. <laughs> and I'm like, I kind of want my dad to not see another movie in the theaters just so he can keep that streak going. But I also want to take Why? him. Just because I think it'd be funny. But I also want to take him to see Knives Out because, you know, I got a Christie murder mystery. But, well, you know. Is that his thing? Is that where you learned it from? He doesn't like him as much as I do, but he likes him a lot. Like, he watches Columbo a lot, which is, like, this really awesome mystery series. So, I don't know. Maybe I saw the trailer for that movie, finally, at the theater. Nice. And it looks pretty good. Looks so good. You're not as excited about it as you should be. I just want you to know that. When's it come out? Uh, Thanksgiving. So I have time to be excited about it. Oh, Cody, Cody, Cody. I've gotten Mine. burned in the past for being excited. Snowman. Snowman. Mr. Other Police. movies. Mr. Police, I gave you all the clues. I actually movie. don't hate that movie. I, I really don't, don't hate that movie. I don't either, but I recognize it's terrible. Like it's, I'm fine admitting that. Unlike some people who can't admit and get so sad. It's a poor adaptation. The problem. No, I'm not talking about the snowman right now. <laughs> Harry Hole. Harry Hole. <laughs> I just think they, they messed up by going out of the gate with that. They should have made his Australian one the first movie they made. True. True, true, true. That's like book four or five. It's because it was a, a big part of the book, too. I mean, everybody was he was famous in New Zealand or not New Zealand. That's where he went. Sweden. He was famous in Sweden at that point. I went to Australia. Whatever, it's the same fucking country. That's if you true. don't like it, you can fight me about it. No, that's it. true. I'm not. I'm not disputing that. It's 100 percent true. Same place. Um, but yeah, uh, any final likes and dislikes from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I mean, it's a pretty cut and dry. Good movie. It's a Tarantino movie. I mean, it's exactly what you'd expect from any Tarantino movie. Yeah. Agree. And I don't know, there's, it's, there's definitely just a different mood that I, that you get into and that I got into sitting down to watch a Tarantino movie as opposed to, you know, 70%, I guess, of what, of everything else that comes out, like sitting down to watch Lion King and then sitting down to watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are two completely different sensations and just how they feel and how they move and all that stuff. It's, it really it's the kind of movie that gets you excited about movies and you know, uh, I just, 
I hope that this Tarantino isn't a dying breed and that movies are still shot on 35 millimeter and shown on 35 millimeter and the, the legacy of it, you know, uh, carries on and it's not all, you know, movies don't look, don't all look like yesterday. Oof. Cause that, I hate, I hate the visual palette of that movie so, so much. Um, and I think you just hate that you don't like that movie. I like it. I still like it. It's still clever and funny in spots and, you know, cute and all that. It's just... I saw it again. Yeah. Go up or down. It's not that great. (laughs) It was entertaining. I'll give it that. But, um, but Hollywood is, yeah, Hollywood's a different breed. It definitely, you know, the four designations that we've come put together on this show of content is the lowest of the low. That is your Dumbo... Or, your Lion King. Or, you know, whatever. Movie is your, uh, it's your Mamma Mia too. Fun. That's enjoyable. <laughs> the film is, uh, the film's your book smart. The film is your, uh, Blade Runner 2049. And then picture is something like one. Actually, Blade 2049 is more of a picture. But uh, it's good to see a picture. Well, I mean, now that we added picture, you've really fucked everything up. I know, but it's we're expanding. We have to redesignate everything. I know. We'll 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 do it as we go. But f- as it stands, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a picture, through and through. Indeed. And I loved it. Uh, final thoughts for you, Cody. Go see it. I agree. I agree. And it's also the biggest opening weekend box office of Tarantino's career. True. Yeah, looking to be about f- a little over forty million dollars. Still in second to Lion King, but for an original movie, it's pretty good. Um, and uh, another hit for DiCaprio too. It's probably going to make, you know, hope think it'll maybe end up in the three hundred range. Is where I think they're hoping, and I'm hoping at least that it ends up. And uh, is that realistic? Yeah, hateful. Hateful Eight was. Hateful Eight was like one of the least I guess hyped and had didn't have that great of a cast and it still made a hundred million more than it cost. And this didn't has DiCaprio great of a cast. What are you talking about? Well like in in terms of putting butts in seats. Like Sam Jackson is great. Michael Madsen, Tim Roth, everybody in that movie's great, but it's not it didn't have Brad Pitt or DiCaprio. It had Channing Tatum for a minute, you know? But You're like right. Django there, Yeah, there's no movie stars, but Yeah. Django had some movie stars in it. It made namely DiCaprio and made like for like four hundred million dollars, I think it's gonna just because of the length. I think it'll be just a shade under that. Would be my guess or hope at least. You mm-hmm. know, and um, so let's uh, so let's give a grade then. Me? Yeah, I'm comfortable giving this movie a nine. I'm gonna go nine and a half. Not bad. I'm really, really high in this movie. I don't know if ever, it's ever, if it's ever gonna get to ten. Whereas Django's going to get to 10 the next time I watch it, whenever that is. Or maybe I might do it already because I love that movie. Um, but this is definitely top tier top tier Tarantino. Um, Indeed. I actually, right now, I rank it as my third favorite behind um, Bastards at 1 and Django at 2. And I think it's a good spot for it. Where would you? Where do you think you'd put it in your, uh, in your Tarantino? Tarantino, I should say. I forgot to. I did this yesterday. Um, I think it's below Django. Okay. It's at least on par with Inglorious Bastards, so it can be either my two or three. 
interesting. Neither of us are big Pulp Fiction or Kill Bill people. I don't really like Kill Bill very much. I like I like them. I think it's too much. What do you, What are your thoughts on Reservoir Dogs? Good. Yeah, I don't like Reservoir Dogs. Really? Yeah. I, just, I really like that movie a lot, actually. I think it's just I think it's obnoxious and kind of sophomoric, and it's an incredible first attempt. Yeah, no, it's like for, a, for, for a first sure. movie, dude. Come on, that's great. No, no, no I'm not. I, I, I'm judging it just as a movie, though. I'm not the biggest fan. Not the biggest fan. And oh my gosh, for as, lo- as much as I love Tarantino, what he's done to student film makers and just student films overall is honestly a war crime. <laughs> a war crime. I've seen enough student films just either in school, actually in school, or just on YouTube and. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy! There's some. <laughs> you haven't lived until you've seen a really, really bad Reservoir Dogs dudes in suits knockoff. It's just the best slash worst. Whew, oh boy! Yikes. Um. So, uh, I guess probably a. I know the answer to this, but where does this rank in the year for you? You don't have to give a specific number, but uh, high, very high. Nice. Definitely within my top you? five. Um, yeah, I'm still keeping the movies in alphabetical order, like uh, like I always do. But um, when things shake out, I can't see this not being a top five movie for me. I really, I think it's just, it's fantastic. Really, really great. Uh, so what's next? Brad Pitt. We mentioned as Ad Astra and hasn't attached himself to anything. Tarantino has kind of mentioned that he wants to do a Star Trek movie, but have it not count towards his 10. So theoretically he could have up to two more movies from now, but I really don't think he's going to stop. I, I, I can't see him. I can't see him not working until he's like 75 or 80. No, I think he likes movies too much to do that. Like he's like, I want to go white big plays, but you know, fun fact about this is that, um, before this movie was announced, he, you know, somebody he done an interview or something where he's like, yeah, yeah, my next thing is a podcast about 1969 and how it's such an incredible, you know, uh, moment in time for film and how the business was changing so much. So the, if you really want to know what his next movie is, is you find out what he's talking about and then that pretty much becomes a movie nine times out of ten. So, hmm. um, so yeah, I, I, if anybody can make Star Trek good, it's him because... Otherwise, Star Trek is trash. Uh, I still like the first one in Into Darkness. Yeah. Still, the concept of Star Trek is just stupid. So maybe he can do something cool with it. And then, I guess, one more movie after that. So um, it's not quite time to say goodbye to Tarantino. But uh, definitely, after this, you definitely feel like he is maybe wrapping up and closing up shop. But I hope that's not the case because he's awesome. Yes. Um, and then DiCaprio. He, since we don't really get too many of his movies, this is his first in, since 2015 with The Revenant, which is crazy. Wow. To think about. Yeah, right? Took a real long break. Um, just hanging out, saving the planet, chilling by the beach with his girlfriend, you know, living the life. Uh, he was attached to Guillermo del Toro's next movie, uh, which was a remake of an old... I can't remember the name of it, but he's since dropped out, reportedly, yes. and uh, Bradley Cooper has replaced him. 
but there's also rumors that he's going to he and De Niro are going to lead uh Ter- or Scorsese's next movie. Uh-oh. I thought it wasn't he supposed to be in the Irishman. DiCaprio? Yeah. No. Well, I don't believe you. It's it's all the old guys pretty much in the Irishman. But uh Tarantino's next after the Irishman is uh going to be DiCaprio's. Yeah. DiCaprio and De Niro based on a uh, nonfiction book by David Gran, who oh, also no. who also wrote the book that inspired The Lost City of Z. But this one is actually about, um, I guess it's sort of about the origins of the FBI, kind of, and how it relates to a series of murders at a at a Native American reservation in Oklahoma. All I'm saying is that the last time Martin Scorsese did a movie about um, a nonfiction book. It was boring. Which one, what was that? Silence. I like Silence. It was so boring, dude. It was boring, it was but too it, was, it was interesting. Long. But, Cody, his next movie, The Irishman, is based on a nonfiction book. And a so really, really good suck. one. That. The one you read instead of Red Rising? Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love the mafia. And I don't like fiction. So what, you can't well, really yell at me. That's just weird. Yes, I can. Okay. I like watching fiction. Just read the book. I bought it for you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I keep disappointing you. I really don't mean to. I, I'm very appreciative. That is a two-week read at the most. I appreciate it. If you read it, down, Cody. if you sit down and read 50 pages a night. Well, Cody, here's the here's the big problem that we've run into with this. I can't read. That's a lie. You just you literally just got done saying you read a book. I listened to it on audiobook. It's the same thing. It is the same thing, but you don't. <laughs> I can't read, Cody. What do you want yes, from you me? you can. I know you can. You graduated high school. That's true. <laughs> I graduated high school at Homer. I don't think you really need, need to be able to read to do that. You do. I know, I know some people. I know some people who, like, senior year, hey, can you read out loud? And these people, like, can barely read. They can it's still do it, though. Pretty incredible. Um, I just had something really interesting to say, but I forgot what it was. Damn it. Don't you hate when that happens? When your brilliance gets lost amongst other brilliance. I really just hate when you don't read books I bought you. I can't read. Um, yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Top tier Kino. Yes. Moving on. Watching, reading, listening to. I will start because I just have the one thing. I saw a movie yesterday called The Art of Self-Defense. That's bad. Do you know anything about it? No. Jesse Eisenberg stars. Okay. Have I lost you? Kinda. <laughs> as a uh, as a twink, a little soy boy, if you will, who's an accountant, and one day he's walking to the grocery store to get his dog dog food, and he gets beaten up by a bunch Mother. of guys on motorcycles and then decides to join a karate dojo to feel better about himself. And that is all I'll say because what happens after that is fucking crazy. And this movie's fucking crazy and I kind of like it a lot. It's good. Parts of it don't work hundred percent, but it is extremely ambitious and, uh, has some of the most seamless tonal shifts ever. Uh, that I've, well, maybe not ever, but ever for a movie of its size, Eisenberg is really great. He's there's a scene where he just kind of goes off on a bunch of people, and which is hysterical. 
and uh, in his office. And I highly recommend it to you and anyone else who needs a little uh, little breather from the from the summer moviness. But I don't know. I haven't really felt that fatigued by summer movies, mostly because I didn't go see some of them. Men in Black what International. Did you see? Oh yeah, that movie's bad. And a couple others that I'm forgetting because who cares? Um, yeah, I just I highly recommend it. It's a very fun, intimate, weird little movie, and uh, I think you should check it out. Maybe. Watching and listening to for I got you. nothing. It's the same thing I said last time. Oh, the book. Yeah, probably. The book. Your fun little book. About underwater basket weaving. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, so, I, th- I guess that'll do it, right? Yeah. Fabulous. So until next time, in which we will possibly be talking about Hobson Shaw. Where, how are you feeling about that? I could literally go either way about that. I do not care about it. I'm. If it gets good reviews, then I might check it out just to get out it's of the It's not heat. going to get good reviews. Like, if it's over 75%, then I'll go check it out. But if it's not, if it's, like, in the 40s to 50s, even lower, then I'm just going to bail. I don't know. Then we'll do a hangout. But Hobbs and Shaw, tentative to, to, to discuss. Uh, so until whatever happens next happens next, we will talk to you later. You can follow us at underscore RealFlix on Twitter. Leave an iTunes review. Check us out on Spotify. Send us an email, realflixpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, my dear Cody, take it easy. Oh, revoir. Shoshana. Shoshana. If you practice my method just as hard as you can, you're going to get a reputation. As a love and a man now And you'll be glad every night That you treated her right